This is Morning Air. This is about educating a people that for 40 years haven't been given the full truth. It's time now to speak the truth. When you do things to the best of your ability, keeping Jesus number one and doing everything you possibly can for His glory, that's a winner. You are called to make the light of Christ shine brightly in the world. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio. Five minutes after the hour, it's Tuesday, December 14th. Good morning and welcome back to Morning Air on the Feast of St. John of the Cross, priest and doctor of the church. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us across America on the Relevant Radio Network and the Relevant Radio app. On Tuesdays, we should try to pray to our guardian angel, asking them to help us in our everyday lives. Let's continue to unite ourselves in prayer for all the victims and all the families that have been devastated by the tornadoes this past weekend that ripped across six states, including the worst hit state of Kentucky and also Illinois. I want to bring in Glenn Leverance. Uh, Glenn, uh, what is the latest? Well, that storm system uh, Friday night, uh, just uh, just crazy stuff. A very terrible storm system that uh, stretched from uh, northern Minnesota all the way down almost to Dallas, Texas, and, and swept through, dropping almost two feet of snow in Minnesota, heavy rain in Chicagoland, and Severe tornadoes further south in Illinois, down in through Kentucky, Arkansas as well. The death toll now stands at 90, still about 100 and uh, looks like 106 still missing. Uh, folks looking for them. Mayfield, Kentucky had that candle factory torn apart. Uh, uh, several lives lost there. An Amazon warehouse in Edwardsville, Illinois. Six people died there. The Pope praying for the victims as well. And uh, Joe Biden touring uh, parts of Kentucky uh, coming up soon as well. And flags uh, the governor would like to see a half staff across the country for those who lost their lives. Yeah, Glenn, the, the images uh, I've seen a, a lot of the news coverage, uh, they're just un- shocking, uh, just total devastation. Uh, it looks like a bomb went off um, in most of these images. Yes, yes, it really does, it really does. So uh, we've got to keep those folks in prayers and uh, the Holy Father as well and uh, Catholics uh, urging uh, Catholics in the U.S. to help, help out through uh, Catholic Charities. Absolutely. Uh, Catholic Charities and also uh, the American Red Cross um, has been collecting contributions. Uh, thousands of people have already uh, been contributing. So um, it's a time for all of us uh, to, to pray for all these families. Uh, can you imagine uh, the ones who still don't know where their loved ones are just going through this horrible situation, all this suffering right, right here before Christmas? Yeah, especially uh, this time of year as well. So prayers for those folks and uh, and help help where we can as well. Another quick note in the news, too. Uh, Supreme Court uh, once again turning down uh, a chance to uh, halt the mandate. Uh, this time, the Supreme Court refused to block New York's requirement that healthcare workers be vaccinated even uh, when they cite religious objection. Uh, that had happened in Maine earlier in October, and uh, three justices objected to that uh, Justice Gorsuch filing dissents, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito agreeing with uh, that side as well. Are you surprised by that ruling, Glenn? Yeah, a bit, a bit. But uh, they'd done it before for Maine in, in October. And so, uh, yeah, healthcare workers need, need to get the shot. Well, let's just, just continue to pray uh, that uh, this pandemic uh, comes uh, to a halt uh, very soon. So we continue to pray and ask the Lord uh, for... for uh, 
his help uh, d- during these times and, and pray that the pandemic doesn't get too out of hand here at Christmas time. Uh, as always, thanks so much, Glenn. Hey, sure thing, John. And we begin every show and every hour in prayer, um, praying to our Lord through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, Patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we continue to ask the Holy Spirit's help, uh, especially in these difficult times, whenever we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life uh, is from Galatians uh, 2, 19 and 20. The Apostle St. Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christmas is for the humble. Christmas is hidden from the learned and the clever and revealed to the smallest children, as our Lord Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke. Christmas is for the humble because the proud don't fit in the manger scene. We can humble ourselves by repenting, by apologizing, by going to confession here during Advent and worshiping Jesus the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. This Christmas, let's clothe ourselves with humility so we can see the baby Jesus with our hearts and in our homes. We pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the show, 888-914-9149. Now let's talk about love. The only scars in heaven won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken And all the old will be made new And the thought that makes me smile now Even as the tears fall down Is that the only scars in heaven Are on the hands that hold you now Today, December 14th, we celebrate the Feast of St. John of the Cross, San Juan de la Cruz, the Spanish priest, mystic, and doctor of the church, who was friends with St. Teresa of Avila, and they worked to reform the Carmelite order. We're now joined by international bilingual evangelist Martha Fernandez Sardina to continue with our weekly series, Remember You Are Love, to discuss love in the writings of St. John of the Cross. Martha is also a teacher, trainer, writer, consultant, outreach developer and the former director of evangelization for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. and San Antonio. She's also the founder of RememberYouAreLove.com and the host of Remember You Are Love TV series. Good morning, Martha. Thanks so much for being with us once again. It's great to be with you. 
Good morning. Great to be with you. Happy Feast of St. John of the Cross. Happy Feast Day to you as well. Let's talk about St. John of the Cross, San Juan de la Cruz in Espanol. After all, he was a Spanish priest. Uh, let's, let's talk about who, who he was, uh, his uh, legacy. What, what can you tell us about St. John of the Cross? Well, just to open up here, I am not an expert, like, for example, Pope St. John Paul II, who wrote a doctoral dissertation on the mystical prayer uh, according to St. John of the Cross. Uh, but I do love him. I do pray every day at the end of the rosary for his intercession. And I actually have a relic of St. John of the Cross. Uh, so I, I love this, the Carmelite spirituality. Uh, and he was integral to the reform of the Carmel as well as uh, St. Uh, Teresa of Avila. Uh, and they are both, and he is, a reliable teacher of the deep truths of our faith, uh, and especially the truth about uh, communion with God, the ascent to God through prayer. Uh, and that's why he's called the doctor of the church uh, for his deep understanding of the mystery of God's passionate love for us and for his own, John's own, John of the Cross, his own passionate poetic writings on Christ's desire for intimacy uh, with each of our souls. And uh, he, he's, a, he's a mystical writer whose, whose readings and writings, I should say, and teachings in life we can uh, model our lives after because of his love of God and of the cross of Christ, which a lot of times we would rather not have. We would rather have Christ without the cross. And, uh, and he's a great saint, by the way, to pray to, John, uh, as we love one another and as we love the church and want to see true, authentic uh, renewal and true and authentic reform within uh, the church at different uh, in different areas and in different epochs, uh, he's a great one to pray to, and also for, for renewal of the consecrated life and the priesthood. Uh, so he's also known, of course, as being kind of like the doctor, some say, of, of the dark night, uh, although uh, there are Carmelites that say, no, he actually should be considered the doctor of love. In fact, on one Carmelite site, uh, someone was saying that he's known as the doctor of the dark night, but that's inaccurate. This person was saying his dark night was only a means to the greater end of transforming union in love. And that's why he's doctor of love. Uh, so that's a great perspective, Martha. Uh, we know that that he wrote that uh, classic spiritual uh, treatise, The Dark Night of the Soul, and then uh, the church um, officially um, made him a doctor of the church uh, in 1926, um, and he's also been known as the mystical doctor. So uh, this is a very, very deep saint uh, with so much to teach us in so many different ways. What does uh, St. John of the Cross uh, teach us about the love of God uh, that the Lord has for all humanity. You touched on a word that's very important. And so, uh, you know, with our brief time today, we're not going to touch on the depths of all that St. John taught because he is very, very deep. But what I, uh, I'm hoping is that each one of us today can realize that even though we may not become a mystic like him, we're called to be saints like him. And that he does actually share a lot in common with us because he was born in poverty and struggled through a lot of economic hardship growing up. In fact, he needed aid, assistance from others and received it, welcomed it for his own education. And he suffered a lot. And even as a religious, as a Carmelite, um, he uh, was mistreated by his own fellow friars by the order that he was trying to re reform with St. John, uh, with St. Teresa of Avila. And so in the midst of that, he didn't despair, but just grew deeper in love. And that's to your question. What can he teach us about the love of God for humanity? That it's all about love. 
that God is love, that creation is all about God's love, his immense, eternal, life-giving, life-changing, redeeming and sanctifying and transformative love. That love is to transform us. It shouldn't leave us the same. Life is all about love. And so, as we say in the catechism, you know, that we, whether this current catechism that we got from John Paul II or even previous ones like the Baltimore Catechism that people always quote, um, you know, that we were created to know and love and serve the Lord in this life and enjoy with, right, communion, endless communion with him forever. So the love of God for us has placed us in a school of love so that we're in a constant growing in communion with God and also with one another. And that, St. John of the Cross, therefore his name, that entails accepting and embracing and even desiring the life-giving cross of Jesus Christ, which is a sign of God's deep love for us, the death and resurrection of Christ, his passion, his cross, are a sign of God's deep love for you and for me and for every single human being. And then embracing the cross, John, is also our sign of return, of love for love, our deep love for God. So it's in that exchange of love that we really enter into that transformation or that transformative communion. And as he says, we're the bride that the father presents to the son and that the son presents to the father. And so it's precisely in that incarnation of Christ, his passion and his death, that we receive more fully than ever uh, the sign of God's love for each one of us. And then we do what we're expected to do, which is give love for love. Well, Martha, it's overwhelming when you look at uh, some of the incredible uh, writings of St. John of the Cross, this incredible uh, mystical uh, doctor. Uh, he wrote about the type of love uh, that humanity must have for God. Can you share with us a couple of your favorite quotes? Because there are so many. We could do a whole hour uh, on, on just some of the, these amazing quotes from St. John of the Cross. Yes, I love when he speaks about that transformation. Like I said a moment ago, love must transform us. He says, to love is to be transformed into what we love. In other words, if I love Jesus Christ, and I do, and you do, who are listening to us, you and I are to become transformed into he whom we love. We're supposed to look more and more like Jesus. In other words, we're to become more and more like Jesus. Some saints even talk about being, uh, uh, what do you call it? Not just beatified, but deified. We're supposed to become like God. St. John of the Cross says that to love God, therefore, is to be transformed into God. Imagine that, right? And no no surprise, really, because we were created in his image and likeness. He goes on to say in in his writings that uh, love in the, uh, that, um, Live in the world, he says, as if God and your soul were the only ones in it. Imagine that. Right? Then your heart will never be captive by earthly things. And you know why that's so important is because we are living in a day and age in which we are so, so, so attached to earthly things and to possessions and to what we can experience with our five senses that a lot of times we're not entering deeply as he would want us, as he would teach us, St. John of the Cross and the Lord himself, into deep contemplation. In other words, we're, we, we don't a lot of times make quiet, John, in our souls and around us so that we 
are almost as if only God and I existed in the world. I also like when he talks about being, as I mentioned a few moments ago, being the spouse of Christ. He says, take God for your spouse and friend and walk with him continually and you will not sin and will learn to love and the things you must do will work out prosperously for you. So if you were to walk with the Lord the same way that you walk with your spouse, Cindy, right? If you love the Lord as your spouse and always grew more and more and walked with him continuously, and when I say that to you, John, it's to every single one that's listening to us, every single person, then we would sin less and less and we would love to learn more and more and life would run smoother, better for each one of us. These writings of St. Paul, uh, St. John of the Cross are, are truly uh, uh, amazing. You can see the inspiration in prayer that he received uh, from the Holy Spirit. Uh, th- these words, obviously, they're not inspired in the same way uh, that the sacred text is in Scripture, but you can see the inspiration from the Lord in, in what he has to say. St. John of the Cross also had a lot to say about uh, suffering. Can you talk a little bit about the, the connection uh, between the value of suffering Suffering the cross and true love, Martha. Yes, one of my favorite quotes is a very uh, short one, five words. He says, My soul occupation is love. It reminds me also of the other great Carmelite, St. Uh, Therese of Lisieux. And if my soul occupation is love, then that means I need to love from the cross and at the foot of the cross. That means that I need to embrace the cross. I need to enter into the cross. I need to carry my own cross. And he even says, Whoever does not seek the cross of Christ doesn't seek the glory of Christ. So we can't really have an Easter Sunday unless we go through and we embrace Good Friday, unless we're willing to stand like Mary and Saint John the Apostle at the foot of the cross and even hang on the cross with Christ close enough for him to lean over and kiss us, which is actually something that Saint Teresa of Calcutta would say that when we are suffering greatly on the cross, it's because we're so close to Jesus that he was able to kiss us. St. John of the cross says that whenever anything disagreeable or displeasing happens to you, remember Christ crucified and be silent. So that's where we embrace with love the cross. You know, we don't uh, allow the things that disturb us to disturb us but rather we remain silent in prayer and contemplation of Christ crucified. And we recognize that he paid the ultimate price for love. And St. John reminds us of what the Lord himself says about the narrow gate. And St. John of the cross says, the road is narrow. He who wishes to travel it must easily cast off all things and use the cross as his cane. Can you imagine? What's the cane? The cane is there to help you walk more steadily, to stay afoot. The cross is there to help us. Totally relate to that. Uh, A few years, five years ago, I had uh, double hip surgery. I actually used a walker and a cane, and that image of uh, the cane as a cross came to mind as I was reading that beautiful writing by St. John of the Cross. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know you had that surgery. But when we suffer that way, and that is a cross, And there are many other sufferings that no one sees, you know, the things that are happening inside our souls and no one sees it because we're there silently looking at Jesus who looks at us from the cross. And that's especially when we need to enter into prayer. And so the great saint uh, says that in the dark night of the soul, remember that bright flows, brightness flows like the river of God. And he says that in there, in the dark night, in the moment of the cross, do not 
give up on prayer. He says, strive to preserve your heart in peace and never give up on prayer. Let nothing of the world disturb your peace. Martha, uh, my heart right now uh, is very moved by the images of all the devastation and the destruction that we've seen uh, in the six states, uh, including Kentucky and Illinois, that, that have been affected by uh, these tornadoes that hit over the weekend. And uh, I can't help but think of the crosses and the and the suffering that those people are, are going through, uh, losing their loved ones, uh, not being able to find their loved ones, the ones that are still waiting. Uh, maybe a word of, of inspiration here, uh, connecting uh, and asking through the the intercession of, of St. John of the Cross, uh, uh, prayers for, for all those people who are suffering right now. Well, yes, I, I agree with you. It's so hard when you have these things that happen and uh, unannounced and there's not anything that you can do. And so um, my, my thoughts and my prayers to all those who are suffering and a word to all those who are experiencing this devastation and other devastations, know that Jesus sees you, know that Jesus is present, know that he is the Lord of life and that death is a passage from this life into eternal life, and that no matter how severe the devastation that you're suffering from your life in your life, no matter how great the losses and, and the deprivation that you're experiencing and the anguish at not finding a loved one or having lost one, know that Jesus is present with you. Know that he is there with us and that the promise of eternal life is real and that that is something that as we approach Christmas now, that's exactly what we're preparing our hearts for is to experience the coming of Christ one day in glory when he is going to take us into his eternal embrace. And so my sentiments go out to all those who are suffering loss in that area and also any and all devastating losses of love and life in their own lives. And um, just one other note, uh, uh, if you can, uh, do whatever you can in whatever way. You pray for those people. Uh, you can donate to the American Red Cross, uh, other charities, uh, Catholic charities. There's many different groups uh, that are taking donations to help with the disaster relief efforts. Martha, um, so much appreciate uh, your spiritual perspective uh, on the importance of the cross uh, suffering as connected to uh, this very famous mystic, uh, St. John of the Cross that we're honoring today. Well, you're very welcome. And just to uh, add another quote from his, he says, he who loses an opportunity is like the man who lets a bird fly from his hand, for he will never recover it. So let's not lose this opportunity to go deep, to go and get a life in Christ, a deep love life, a deep prayer life, a deep life of ongoing conversion, of purification, of transformation, of sanctification. Let's be saints. Let's be lovers. Let's be love messengers. And remember... <laughs> You are loved. You are definitely loved. Uh, quickly, where can people find you uh, to bring you uh, to their area, to their parishes, to, to conferences? You can contact me at rememberyouarelove.com or marthafernandezsardina.com. Give me a phone call, send me an email, a text, a message uh, through social media. And also ask me about my T-shirts and wristbands and caps and mugs that say, Remember You Are Loved. You can even personalize them. Remember You Are Loved by God and by me. Keep loving. Thanks so much, uh, Martha. Martha Fernandez Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLove.com. We need to take a, a short break when Morning Air continues. Father Bob Pegliari will join us to share his charming children's story about the first graders, Noel. Stay with us. There's much more to come on Morning Air after this. And all the old will be made new And the thought that makes me smile now 
Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. Thirty-four minutes after the hour, welcome back to Morning Air. What a beautiful rendition of the first Noel. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. If you want to be part of the conversation, 888-914-9149. How can we connect Noel, which means the nativity of Jesus, with no hell? Believe it or not, some first graders were able to pull this off. And now joining us is Father Bob Pegliari to tell us about this very interesting story. Uh, Father Bob is a redemptorist priest living in Manhattan in New York City. He's also professor of theology and communication at St. John's University and a columnist for the Catholic New York, the newspaper, the Archdiocese of New York, and a regular longtime contributor to Morning Air. Good morning, Father Bob. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much uh, for joining us again. Thank you, John. Good morning. Good morning, listeners. This is, uh, makes me laugh, even when I listen to the beautiful carol, and it's a beautiful, and thank you for playing it, the first Noel, but I still smile every time I hear it now because of what it, meant, what it means to me from the mission that I gave during Advent and on Staten Island some years ago. And uh, the story is really uh, an interesting one. I had talked to the pastor. He said, when you're here for the mission for the week, Father, would you go over to the school and visit each of the classrooms? And I said, sure, that's not a problem. He said, but just be aware of the first graders. And I, that kind of took me back. And I said, well, yeah, why would I be afraid of a six-year-old? And uh, he said, well, he said, they just learned the Apostles' Creed. You know, Sister's been teaching them the Apostles' Creed for the rosary, and uh, they they love that prayer. They're going to want to say it for you. I said, well, that's that's great. Why, why should I be afraid of that? He said, because... Their parents have told them they cannot curse. There's no cursing. And curse. one of the curse words that their parents forbid them to say is hell. Okay. So, well, that's actually part of the prayer. Okay. And Jesus descended into hell. So now when the first graders say that, they scream it because it's the only time that they're allowed to say that curse word that their parents forbid them from saying. Okay. So uh, I said, oh, okay, I, can't, I get it. So when I went over to the first grade, I said, I'm going to trick them, and I'm, I'm going to you know, make them not be able to say the prayer. I'm going to say, you know, it's Advent, boys and girls. Can we just, instead of praying, because I knew they wanted to say the Apostles' Creed, I said, why don't we sing a Christmas carol? And and they you know they're crestfallen and I said what Christmas carol do you know and then they 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 perked up again and they said the first Noel the first Noel I said oh well good let's sing that well this is what they sang the first no hell <laughs> that had to be hilarious hilarious in that classroom. I burst out, well, I burst out laughing at one for one you know at myself because here I am thinking I'm going to be able to trick six six year olds. And they turn around and trick me. 
Okay. <laughs> the first no hell. And I, I thought to myself, that I will never, ever hear that song again without laughing out loud and, and thinking to myself, these kids had it right, John. This is, this is the theological implication of what we're talking about here. The first no hell, meaning Noel means, of course, Christmas, right? That's a def- it means it's from the Latin, really, from uh, uh, Natale, which means uh, birth. What we're, our, our word in English, uh, neonatal, okay, or natal, comes from, comes from Noel. Okay, that's, that's where that comes from. So and <laughs> it's, we're talking about Christmas. Christmas is the first time that we can really, really look toward the hope of no hell. That's exactly what Jesus' birth is about. This is why he came. This is why God sent his son to be born, so that he would die for us. We don't usually think of Christmas in terms of the crucifixion, but when you look at it, when you really look at the whole history of our, our faith and where we're going as a as a Catholic people, as a Christian people, you know, as a pilgrim people, where are we going? We're going to heaven. Well, we couldn't get there if Jesus hadn't died, and we certainly couldn't have got there if Jesus hadn't been born. So it, it actually is the birthday of Jesus that has given us the, the no hell outlook. And the, and the first graders had it right, let me tell you. Uh, I just, I just, <laughs> it just tickles me. That uh, you know that they they had it a lot a lot faster than I did, and I still laugh every time I, I hear uh, the first no hell. <laughs> did you let the kids know that they got it right? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> not at the time. It didn't occur to me until I was driving home. I said, you know what? They're absolutely right. Uh, I the, my reaction at the time, besides laughing, was that they had they had won. Okay, you know, it was uh, first graders won Father Bob zero because. <laughs> That was the score. They, uh, I thought I had tricked them out of not saying the Apostles' Creed so that they couldn't curse. But when they sang no, the, the first no hell, they shouted that out, and they burst into laughter because they, they saw it as cursing, of course. That, you know, they, got, they got their way. But, uh, but it was not until I was driving home, I think to myself, you know what? They're absolutely correct. They're absolutely correct. Thank goodness. Thank God that he sent his son to be born for us so that he would die for us so that we could be free. Uh, and, and I mean by freedom, you know, freedom from the, the torments that we go on. I, I think, for example, uh, uh, John, of this recent, most recent tragedy that, that we've heard about, this tornado that hit uh, Kentucky and a couple of other states there. I mean, they're, they're, you know, people ask me, Father, why does God permit uh, these kinds of uh, sufferings for people who are who are totally innocent, you know, have, haven't done anything. Why? Why does why does evil happen? And uh, the answer to that it actually is uh, we have to. How do we respond? Well, we respond the same way that the kids do with the no, the first no hell. With it, what we're saying is we respond by our virtues of faith, hope, and charity. That's how we respond. We're not going to stop natural disasters. What we can do, and this, and the reason why, by the way, God permits evil to happen, as we all know, is because he will never take away our free will. Um, and that's, that's, uh, that's tantamount. Huh? You, there's no sense in it being a human being if we can't be free to love God. Okay, so we have that, and and if if God took that away from us and said no 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 you're you're going to be compelled to love me, 
you know, that uh, then, of course, he could say, well, fine, and there won't be any suffering, and there won't be this, which was paradise. That was paradise, and we lost that, but through disobedience, uh, through Adam. But we have it back now, or we have the opportunity to have it back if we follow the commandments and, and, and follow you know, the, the teachings of Christ and follow the gospel. And those that's where faith, hope, and charity come in, John. That's where they come in. We have to do this when we see natural disasters and also when we see other hellish things, if I can quote the, the first graders again. Um, because some of the disaster that happened, I'm, I'm told, in Kentucky, uh, in conjunction with this tornado, was the fact that some of them people couldn't go home. They weren't allowed to go home from the factories where they were working and places like that. That's not God's creation, hello. That that is not God's creation. So God doesn't create all the God doesn't create any evil. He permits evil, either natural disasters. He also permits us, unfortunately, but we have that power and that free will to also create hell for other people. Father Bob, um, this is a very emotional time uh, for mm-hmm. uh, so many people, especially uh, all those families in those uh, six states, especially Kentucky, but also Illinois and others uh, mm-hmm. that have been affected by these these tornadoes. The images are just unbelievable. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm looking at a, at a, at a photograph um, from the Associated Press uh, that shows just total devastation. It looks like a, an atomic bomb went off. In fact, it actually reminds me a little bit of what it looked like after 9-11 right there in New York City, something that you know very well. In fact, uh, I know there was a connection with 9-11 before you even got to this story, Father. There was, yeah, that's right, because I was driving, because this is the 20th anniversary, as you know, of 9-11, and the only place I hadn't seen uh, was Shanksville, Pennsylvania, that, you know, where the plane went down there, that fourth plane. So I said, you know what, the 20th anniversary, I'm going to go, I'm making my business, and I, and I was driving there on Route 78. People who are familiar with, with that route will know what I'm talking about. I was passing this exit, that, uh, and I was, I was side by side with a tractor trailer, so I, I couldn't see the whole sign. But it said Bethlehem, and everyone knows that there is a Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. But on the same sign, it says Bethlehem in hell. And I said, Bethlehem in hell. Well, well, after the tractor trailer passed, I, I saw the whole thing. It was Hellertown, okay? It wasn't hell. Uh, but again, the connection between uh, Jesus coming and our no hell. Well, Father Bob, we want to continue to uh, talk about uh, that connection and uh, the realities uh, that so many are having to deal with right now, uh, uh, the, the crosses that we're having to deal with, uh, why God allows uh, these crosses to happen to all of us as we continue our conversation with Father Bob Pagliari. Uh, if you'd like to join in, um, if uh, your heart uh, is touched as is mine uh, about the tragedy in uh, in Kentucky and these six states uh, with these tornadoes and you want to uh, be part of our conversation, you might have a, a perspective you might want to share with us. Uh, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We're going to take a short break. Continue uh, talking with Father Bob Pagliari. Stay with us. There's much more on Morning Air after this. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. 
God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born upon this day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. 48 minutes after the hour, welcome back to Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much uh, for joining us this morning as uh, we continue our conversation with our good friend, Father Bob Peglieri from downtown Manhattan, New York City, Redemptorist Priest, Professor of Theology and Communications at St. John's University. Father Bob, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you, listeners, for listening. Yeah, I think we have to look at what some of the hellish things are, are in our life. And, and also, one of the th- other thing that I would like to talk about, if we have some time, is how we celebrate Christmas in, in America. And well, I bring that up because I, I think, like, December 26th, all of a sudden, Christmas is over. Okay, uh, And it's probably because we've lost Advent. As a, as a people, and particularly as a Catholic Church, we've sort of lost Advent and, and how important that is in building up. Because why? But my goodness gracious, uh, as soon as Halloween is over, even before it's over, and certainly Thanksgiving, all the Christmas trees are up and you know, the, the Christmas sales are on. Uh, so uh, we're following society, unfortunately, I think, instead of uh, going into Advent and preparing for Christmas, Okay, it, it's all about gifts and, and uh, holidays and things like that. Instead of preparing ourselves spiritually for the coming of Christ, and then celebrating all the way past the Epiphany to the, to the, the baptism of our Lord, which is when the church uh, comes to the closure of Christmas season. But by, that's uh, long gone in society. Huh? That so, is such a good point, Father. In fact, uh, I, I kind of chuckle when I see uh, someone carrying a Christmas tree, uh, tree on uh, December 26th uh, out to the garbage. Like, Christmas <laughs> is over. My goodness, it's just beginning for us Catholics. Absolutely, absolutely right. That's it. Would be nice, I think, if we brought back the Christmas season, okay, and and including preparing for it properly through the season of Advent. I, I think uh, you know that that's kind of getting lost in in the culture that we live in. Everything's anticipated. My goodness, they're they're putting up things already for our Valentine's Day, and we haven't gotten to Christmas yet. <laughs> I mean, give me a break on this, okay? Uh, but yeah, there are some horrible things and some hellish things. Again, the kids got it right. Uh, there's hellish things going on, as you mentioned, John, and as our listeners know, uh, in this tornado, horrendous uh, things that of natural disasters. And I would add to that, there's also some um, wicked things and hellish things that go on, as I mentioned in my drive to, to go and, and see the memorial for, the, for another 9-11 victims out in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. So those are, those are, those are not evils by God's hand, okay? Uh, those, those, those are not natural happenings. Those are our doings. And, uh, and we're not following the providence of God. We're not trusting in God uh, for his guidance. And that's exactly what the providence of God is, isn't it? It's following God's guidance. That's what providence means. And what is his guidance? His guidance is, first of all, again, the theological virtues. Faith, believe in me. Hope, meaning trust in me. And charity, 
toward which means love, of course, love of God and love of neighbor. That's all that God has asked us to do. And if we do those three things, if we follow those uh, theological virtues, we're going to <laughs> we're going to dispel hell. Okay, uh, to, to to quote the first graders again, uh, there'll be no hell on earth uh, if we could follow those theological virtues every day of our lives. Whenever I think of uh, divine providence, uh, I think of uh, uh, the Apostle Saint Paul, who writes in Romans uh, eight twenty eight. Now we know that for those who love God, all things work together unto good for those according to his purpose. That always gives me some uh, comfort because we know that God is in charge. He is the Lord of the universe. He, his permitting will, uh, his, his actual will, nothing happens. Not a hair happens uh, without the Lord's permission. And look at those pictures that you were referring to, John. Huh? Uh, what do those people need most right now? They need hope. They need the guidance. They need the providence. They need to know that life is not over. Life has not ended. Okay, it hasn't for them. Okay, I mean the challenge is there absolutely, and I think there's going to be an outpouring if there hasn't already started uh, of charity from other people. Who there is, there is. Disaster. It's it's amazing, Father. Uh, yeah. The outpouring. Uh, as yesterday afternoon, there was already almost three thousand donations just from one um, website alone, the, the American Red wow. Cross, and uh, they had wow. raised hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, and now I think that number is in the millions. Uh, people are opening up their heart. And again, this is the silver lining. This is an opportunity for people to step up to the plate and to help their brothers and sisters who are going through such suffering here right before Christmas time. Absolutely. And it's the practice of the virtue of charity, love of God and love of neighbor. There's no better way to do it. There's no better time to do it. There's no better uh, opportunity to do it than right now. There's so many opportunities around us to be loving, uh, you know, rather than be the opposite of that, being hateful or hellish toward other people or even toward ourselves. Uh, You know, the first graders got it right. The first no hell is Christmas. And uh, we have tremendous opportunities to put that into practice. Well, we need to have uh, hearts like those little first graders. Uh, We need to have a humble heart. And uh, I think that going to confession, as Father Rocky has reminded us so many times uh, here during the Advent season, is is a great uh, way to prepare our souls uh, for the true meaning of Christmas, the, the coming of Jesus. We have less than a minute, Father. Yes. Well, and let me give you some holy homework, okay, to, for yourself and for the listeners. When we celebrate our Christmas meal, okay, the main meal that we come together as a family uh, with friends and with, with loved ones, instead of the prayer this Christmas, why don't we just sing this carol? The first, no hell, and really enjoy the meal and enjoy the prayer and what it means that Christmas, thank goodness, because of God's birth, we, can, we are saved from eternal hell. Great, great idea. Great suggestion. There's so much more that, that we can do here. Yeah, take part in a Christmas novena if you can, nine days before Christmas. That's a big tradition in the Hispanic uh, community, uh, those villancicos that, that we sing in that beautiful no, novena. But uh, Fa- Father Bob, uh, thanks so much uh, for being with us. Uh, blessed Advent. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, John, and thank you all, listeners. God love you all.
God love you too. Redemptorist Father Bob Pagliari, columnist for the Catholic New York, as well as a regular contributor to Morning Air. And now it's time for another edition of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Caroling by Susan Farfunky. Nothing warms the heart quite like Christmas caroling. The holidays can be hectic, and the spirit of Christmas can easily become lost in the rush and worry of getting everything just right. Eight of us neighbors decided to take a much-needed break and spend an evening Christmas caroling with our children. Setting out with the intention of lifting the spirits of our other neighbors, we spread Christmas cheer until we were tired, cranky, and felt like popsicles. One more house, we decided, and piling into our cars again, spotted the perfect target. The elderly man sitting alone at his kitchen window seemed like he needed us. Pulling over, we parked our cars in front of his house and argued about which songs to sing. Half the children were either whining or crying about the cold, and the Utah snow seemed to have lost its sparkle despite our good intentions. Finally settling on four songs for the man, we rang the bell and waited for him to open his door. Already thinking about getting the kids to bed and the work I had yet to do, I automatically started in on We Wish You a Merry Christmas with the others. But as the man stood in his doorway, his eyes filling with tears, my sidetracked thoughts came to a screeching halt. As we sang, I could hear the tears in many of my friends' voices and my own voice caught, and my singing grew softer as I fought the tears myself. The elderly gentleman stood in his doorway, the ceiling fixture lighting his soft silver hair like a gentle halo. He clapped with delight as we finished the first song and glided right into the next. Warmth spilled from his home and out the door. He didn't seem to care. So happy he was with our visit, he seemed to personify the spirit of Christmas, and I felt a guilty twinge at my grouchiness. True joy began to fill my soul as I sang my heart out for this man. No one had greeted us with such enthusiasm and joy all night. No one had made us feel so welcome and so loved. Gratitude filled me like hot cocoa, and I was so thankful that we were guided to this man. Finishing up with Silent Night, we sang with great love for our neighbor, and I heard his own shaky voice join in with ours. Tears streamed down my cold cheeks, and I knew not one of us would forget this man. Our song ended, and we all stood on his porch, no one willing to break the spell of this glorious moment. The man stood grinning through his tears, and we grinned right back through our own. Thanking us profusely and wishing us a Merry Christmas, he went back inside his warm home, his big grin and tears on his cheeks, the last things we saw. We slowly and regretfully left the man whose spirit and tears made all the difference in our night, all the difference in our Christmas. Although he'd sat alone in his window, looking as if he needed us, we had no idea how much we needed him. And what a gift to our group of carolers that man would be. In him, we found the true spirit of Christmas. Psalm 95, 2, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Thanks so much, Glenn. Let's continue to pray for all those uh, devastated uh, by these tornadoes in the six states this Advent season. Join Father Rocky for the Family Rosary across America with all your prayers and petitions, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. That'll do it for this edition of Morning Air. For Glenn Leverance, producers Gabby Burke, Mariano Gomez, Sarah Tafoya, the whole Morning Air team, I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. Let your light shine before all. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead. In fields as they lay in fields.